0: 1 Samuel chapter 12 this morning, if you are finding that in your Bible, I want to talk to you today about something that I think all of us understand, and that is, um, have you ever seen something that looks too good to be true? Um, maybe you saw someone else uh, inherit a bunch of money, and you're like, boy, I wish that was me, or maybe when your son or daughter or grandchildren or your niece and nephew, or someone you know, brought their future significant other home, you're like, boy, they're a catch. And then realize after they've been in the family a while that, you know, they're a bad apple. Maybe, you know, don't look at your spouse. Whatever you do right now, do not look at her and be like, boy, I sure got buyer's remorse now. Please don't do that. Do not blame that on me. I just want you to know. How many, which, first of all, I don't believe Christians should, should gamble or play the lottery. That's, that's what I believe. You can take it for what it's worth. But how many of you have ever seen a program on television called The Curse of the Lottery? Right, everyone thought, if I win enough money, if I have enough money, I can finally be happy. And what they show is almost everybody that wins, it ends up what? Broke. Miserable. Right? And so today I want you to know that what we see in 1 Samuel 12 is this same thing. First Samuel 12, the, the people of God are celebrating. King Saul is celebrating. But Samuel's heartbroken. And God is heartbroken. You see, many times churches, individuals, celebrate all kinds of things. We celebrate the fact that we have a big building. We celebrate the fact that we have lots of people. We we celebrate the fact that we have lots of money. And what we're celebrating is actually something that is breaking God's heart. You see, if you remember what happened in chapter 11, Saul had just led the nation of Israel to a great battle. They had defeated an enemy who wanted the children of God to literally take their right eye out as a sign of payment. And so the children of Israel are saying, We won! We're victorious. We have dominated our enemies. Come on, Saul. You need to be our king. All those people that were talking bad about you, Saul, we're going to put them to death. Um, This is great times. But what they forget is the warning that God had gave them. God gave them a warning about a king. He said, this king is going to take your sons and your daughters and your land and your property and your wealth, and he's going to make you a subject, a slave to him. And if you remember Samuel, when he found this out, he went to God and God said, Samuel, don't worry, they've not rejected you, they've rejected me. And so friends, I want you to know something. We can either be a church that celebrates what the world celebrates and breaks God's heart, or we can be a church that celebrates what God celebrates. As a husband, I can be a person who only values what the world says about my marriage. Or do I value what God says about my marriage? See, this morning, I want you to know that situations and circumstances come to all of us. And so today, I want to talk to you about being faithful regardless of the circumstances. And so this morning, as we get ready to read in chapter 12, pray with me. Father, today, Lord, uh, you know my heart. And Lord, that it can be wicked and deceitful and evil. So, Father, I ask for forgiveness. Lord, today, as so many other Sundays, you know that I have not wanted to preach this sermon. Lord, for who it might offend, who it might upset, who it might rub the wrong way. And so, Lord, I pray that today you'd give me the boldness to say only the words that you want me to say. And, Lord, anything that comes from Jacob Gray or my heart, that you would close my mouth. Father, I pray that I'd make much of you and you alone. Father, I pray in this place today that your spirit would be at work encouraging your children, convicting your children, and drawing those who don't know you to yourself. And Lord, I'm going to give you all the credit and all the praise, and I'm going to ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you're taking notes this morning. That way, for two reasons. One, you can study this week to help you. And two, you can make sure that I have preached the Word of God to you this morning. Not the opinions of Jacob Gray but the word of God. And so if you're taking notes, this is the first thing I want you to write down this morning. Regardless of situations or circumstances, do what is right. Regardless of circumstances and situations, do what is right. Look what it says here in verses 1 through 5. Now Samuel said to all Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice in all that you have said to me. And have made a king over you. And now here is the king walking before you. And I am old and gray headed. And look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Here I am, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind your eye, my eyes? I will restore it to you. And they said, You have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. And then he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and he anointed his witness this day that you have found anything in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. You see, Samuel was a prophet of God, but he was also a man. And if you remember a few chapters ago, the leaders of Israel came to Samuel and said, Samuel, you're old, your kids are wicked, and we really don't like you being a judge anymore. We would like a king. Samuel, as you know, went to God and made that famous exchange. But Samuel was also a human. He was a man like you and I. And so, if you can imagine, Samuel probably starts asking himself, I wonder how this happened. I wonder how all the children of Israel got on the same page and came to me and said they weren't happy with me. Do you think they all just woke up in the middle of the night and the Lord gave them a dream and said, go to Samuel? Well, no. starts the same way it starts in our life. One family said, you know what, I think Samuel's kind of old. Don't you think Samuel's kind of old? Well, yeah, not only is Samuel kind of old, his kids are heathens. And so then it went from Samuel's kids are old, his, his children are heathens, and it's like, and I don't even really like having a judge anyway. And so the children of Israel start what? Murmuring and complaining. And they start what all of us do. We start to whisper and murmur and complain, and so they go to Samuel and they say this. And so Samuel, as he presents their king to them, he says this simple statement, I have acted with integrity towards you. He says, have I ever taken a a donkey? Have I ever taken an ox? Have I ever taken something from you that should not have been mine? You see, this was a big deal because in this day and age, if a ruler wanted your donkey, he just took it. If a ruler wanted your cow, he just took it. If he wanted your land or vineyard, he didn't ask. He just took it. And Samuel says, I have never done that. Samuel says, I have always acted with integrity. I have always tried to do what is right. I have a lot of personality quirks. You all know that for nine years. But one of my biggest personality quirks is I refuse. I hate for anyone to buy my food. Um, Ken and I raced down the hospital of Evansville one time to get to the restaurant there to buy it first. And the reason is this. It's not that I'm rude. It's not that I'm better than you. I never want anyone to say, well, there's Jake. We better take him out to eat because Lord knows he ain't going to buy his own food. Right? We'd take him out to eat. Jake's not going to buy his six kids food. We're on the dime for that. I don't stand around all year and say, boy, I hope they really go over the top for pastor appreciation this, this year. No, I used to tell them, don't do it. Why? Because my whole life I have seen ministers who have wanted to do nothing And be taken care of by everyone. And one of these days, when I leave here, whether God takes me home or He moves me, I want it to be able to say, I didn't always agree with Jake. I didn't always like Jake. I didn't always understand Jake. But He always tried to do what He thought was right. And friends, I want you to hear this today. This year has been hard. (laughs) It's been hard for churches, it's been hard for families. And I want to thank the deacons. They have met with me every month through a pandemic. And uh, we've made hard choices this year as a church. We've had lots of hard situations. And if we got them all right, absolutely not. Integrity is not perfection. Integrity is not perfection. At least one person agrees with me. But I believe that as a church, when I lay my head on the pillow, and I look back over the last year, we didn't always get it right but I think with the information that we've had and the decisions that we've presented, we've made the right choices. And friends, that's all you can do as a husband. The world's going to tell you work more, work less. The world's going to tell you spend more, spend less. The world's going to tell you, don't worry about these things. But when you lay your head on the pillow at night, when the storms of life come, when the difficulties come, when the situations encircle you, the only thing you will be able to say is, Lord, I have done what you've asked me to do, regardless of the cost. And friends, integrity is a thing that is lacking. It's lacking in the church. It's lacking in the world. And friends, today, if you want to please God... You're going to have to do what is right, regardless of the circumstance that you're in. That means, as a husband, you and your wife might not be getting along right now, right? You might have the same situation that my wife and I have. She married someone that is twice the size now that she was when she got married, right? I don't look quite the same walking down the beach as I used to, you know, uh, when I caught her eye, right? I have, I have, there's more of me to love, Right? And so you might be saying, well, I've got one of those at home. And boy, that, that, that good-looking co-worker of mine, boy, they sure are nice. They sure are friendly to me at work. That man, he sure will listen to me when I tell him all my problems at work. You know, I, I know that it's right to honor my vows through sickness and through health, through better or for worse. But boy, I, I tell you, just once right now would really, friends, you have a choice to make. Parents, you have a choice to either follow the things of this world or say, no, as for our family, what you saw this morning is what we're going to do. We're going to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Maybe you own a business today, and uh, you've got that temptation to say, you know, I would love to sell America products, but boy, I tell you what, I can make a whole lot more money if I sell this Chinese junk and label it as an American. And so that little bit of integrity there to earn an extra dollar... To to make a little bit of a promotion. You have to ask yourself that question. Can you be like Samuel and say, look at my life. Look at my decisions. Evaluate me and have I wronged you? And the people said, we are witnesses that you have not, Samuel. That is my prayer for this church. It is not that we always get it right because we won't. It's not that we'll always make the right decisions because we won't. It is a desire that we will always make the decision that we think is right no matter the cost. Whether it cost us everything or it cost us nothing. Proverbs chapter 11 says it like this. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. 1 Peter 3 says it like this. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil you see the children of God were celebrating give us our king give us our victory give us our prosperity and Samuel's thinking you're headed for destruction and friends the world will celebrate you when you've got more money than you can spend and there's nothing wrong with being wealthy the world the world will celebrate your kids when they're the best athlete at everything your world, the world will celebrate us when we have hundreds and hundreds of people. The world will celebrate when you have a building that looks like this and is paid for. And none of those things are wrong. But friends, God don't celebrate any of that. You know what God celebrates? We have a baptism service next Sunday. And we have a baptism service the Sunday after that. Four of you. <laughs> we have a baptism service Next Sunday. And we have a baptism service the Sunday after that. That's what God celebrates. The fact that someone who is dead in their sins and trespasses said, I can't live this way any longer. I'm going to repent of my sins. And not only am I going to do that privately, I'm going to stand in front of people that never smile. And I'm going to declare it to them. Next Sunday, we've got a revival service. Now, I don't agree with everything Tim says. He doesn't agree with everything I say. But I believe he is the evangelist for the hour that our church has next week. And I believe God has a word. And so I'm expecting God to do things that the world can't do. I'm thinking God's going to do things that the world can't explain. God celebrates things like this. When a husband and a wife who have had a rough time, maybe there's been unfaithfulness, maybe there's been difficulties say hey we're going to forgive each other and we're going to try to make this work God celebrates that you see if the world can do it on its own if you can do it on its own God doesn't celebrate that what God celebrates is when he is at work when that person you never thought you could forgive that you forgive that person you never thought there was any hope for gives their life to Christ those are the things that God celebrates. And the only way we will see that if we will continue to say we are going to do what God says regardless of the cost at home, in private, and as a church. Because that's what Samuel says. Because you know what Samuel realized was this. There's going to come a day when they're not very happy with this king. And you know who they're going to blame? won't be themselves. It'll be Who? Samuel, why did Samuel give us a king? Why didn't Samuel stop us? Why didn't, why didn't Samuel warn us? And did you hear what he started out by saying? He said, I am giving you the king that who has chosen? You have chosen. I'm giving you what you wanted, not because I wanted to, because that's what you wanted. And God said, fine. And so, friends, integrity is not only doing the right thing, it is owning the mistakes that we make. It is asking forgiveness when we wrong someone. It is repenting when we sin against God. You see, integrity is not perf- perfection, it is doing what is right. The second thing, if you want to be victorious in the storms and situations of life, you have to remember that God is faithful. It's not about you, it's about Him. Look what it says in verse 6 as we continue verse by verse through this chapter. Then Samuel said to the people, It is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron and who brought your fathers from the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord which he did to, your, to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, the commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and Ashtaraths. But now deliver us from the hand of our enemy, and we will serve you. And the Lord sent jerubbabel Beden, Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side. And you dwelt in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us. When the Lord your God was your king. You see Samuel tells them, Do you remember what it was like to be a slave? Do you remember what it was like to have nothing? Do you remember what it was like to be helpless and weak? And what God did for you? And how God changed your life. How God brought you out of slavery. How God brought you to a land that you didn't have to plant the crops. To houses that you didn't have to build. Do you remember God and what he's done for you? And friends, if you're going to overcome the difficult circumstances and situations in your life, you have to remember what God has done for you. Today, if you're here and you're a Christian, you have had something happen to you in your life that is the greatest thing that could ever happen to anyone, and that is you've been born again. God forgave you of your sins, brought you into a relationship with him. And friends, if God can save you from your sin, it is the that is, There is nothing more challenging than that. If God can resurrect the dead, if He can give life to the dead, He can overcome your depression. He can overcome your despair. He can overcome your division. He can overcome your lack of faith. Whatever it is, But you have to remember the God who's been with you all these years. As a church, you need to remember. We need to remember how God has been with us for 200 years how He's worked and moved, how He's saved and changed lives, how He's carried us through difficult times. It's not the pastor who carries this church. It's not the deacons who carry this church. not the Sunday school teachers who carry the church. Nothing like that. There is one person who is responsible for the blessing and abundance of this church, and it's the Lord. And you've got to remember that when the building gets big, and the budget gets big, and the pastor's head gets big. You've got to remember that, that it's God who is your source. It's God who your supply. This week, it was really windy, and I was looking at my hair in the mirror here at church, out the front door. The windows were reflective, and I was going, man, that's a lot of forehead with no hair. But then I thought, I'm glad I don't have a wig today because there would be no hair on top of this head. And I thought, man, my head looks a lot bigger than it did when I first started here. And I don't think it's grown so much here. I think it's added here is the problem. But friends, that's not what kind of big headed I'm talking about. When we get too big for our britches, when we think, Lord, you can't allow bad things to happen to us. Lord, we won't go through difficulties. We don't need God's presence. You know how dependent a church is on God? Let's call a prayer meeting and see how many people show up. Let's call a time of fasting and seeking the Lord's face and, How many people jump on it? You see, those are the things that show us that we remember God and how good he's been to us, how he's carried us, provided for us. You see, one of these days, your spouse might fail you. One of these days, your pastor will fail you. One of these days, your deacon or Sunday school teacher is going to fail you. One of these days, your friends are going to fail you. But I want to read you one of my favorite verses in the whole New Testament. It comes from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. If we are faithful, faithless, he remains what? Now, I know some of you went to McLeansboro, but let's prove our English teachers that we can read, okay? If we are faithless, he remains faithful. You see, God says when your faith fails... When your trust fails, when people fail, he will be what? Faithful. And look what it goes on to say. He cannot deny himself. He is telling us he cannot not be faithful. God cannot be faithless. God has to be faithful because that's who God is. God's not going to waver God's not going to call into question. He will be faithful because that is who he is. That means when I cannot see hope in the difficulties I'm going through, God said, I'm going to be faithful. When I have given up all hope for my prodigal child, when I've given up all hope on that relationship, when I've given up all hope that God is at work, God says, I am faithful. I am faithful. But in 2 Thessalonians, it gives us even more hope. Look what it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. But the Lord is faithful, we've already proven that, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Not only will God be with you, he will be fighting for you. Now, I know none of you has ever had a rambunctious youth. right? I know that you've all been the same godly people you are now since you were born. I understand that. But some people, this is what I've heard, okay? Some people, when they were younger, were more rambunctious than others, right? And they maybe like to fight and run around. And, and uh, on many occasions, you've probably heard this statement. They talk a great big game, but they can't back it up. And uh, how many times have you ever As a child, seeing your siblings getting a butt chewing that you deserved. How many of you spoke up and said, That was actually me? I would love to take their punishment for them. That's not right what you're saying to them. You know what I said as a kid? I'm glad that's not me. I'm glad that's them. And that's how most people are they'll talk about being there with you, they'll talk about being loyal. They'll tell you they'll be there in the fight with you. But when the fight comes, guess what most people do? Run. I told this analogy in the first story, and I'll give it in the second one, because I don't want you to think that I'm discriminating against anybody. It's kind of like this statement right here. As you know, our chairs are farther apart because of COVID. It's kind of like when someone says for 12 weeks in a row, I don't like the fact that our chairs are so far apart. I don't like to check the fact that our chairs are so far apart. Well, I tell you what, we got a business meeting in three weeks. Why don't you make a motion that we push our chairs back together? I've never had this complaint. That's why I'm using it, okay? So it can't offend anybody. Get to the business meeting. Um, We have a, a, a decision to make about our chairs. Would you like to move them closer or keep them that far apart? And this person who spent 12 weeks complaining about the chair stands up and says, I like exactly where they're at, and I can't believe you'd try to move them. And everything in me as a pastor wants to take a chair and throw it at him. You see, that person could have said, Preacher, I've been noticing we got some big people in our congregation. Maybe we ought to leave the rows apart. It'll help them get in and out of it, right? That's a valid excuse. Maybe someone could have said, Hey, Pastor, I like the fact that the chairs are farther apart. People can get out and use the altar. I like that. Anything at all they could have said. But no, God says he won't turn on you. When the battle gets fierce. God won't tell you one thing in his word. And then when it all falls apart. Not be there. And friends. If you are going to survive the difficult circumstances of this life. And the situation that you're fighting in. You need to put your faith in him. In him. The third and final thing. Now that I've made all of you mad. Is this. Regardless of the situation or circumstances. Remember that you can find hope and forgiveness. You see, today, because one of two things has happened this morning. One, you have been thinking about all the mistakes that you've made in your life, and you're being very discouraged. Or two, you're sitting here thinking, I've never made any mistakes. I don't even know what he's talking about. I'm not worried. One of two things. And today, if you stop the sermon at the first two points, you'll miss this truth. That no matter where you've been, Or what you've done. Or how much you've failed. You can find hope. You can find forgiveness. The story that you have been living. Doesn't have to be the story. That you live going forward. Listen to what it says in verse 13 through 15. And then I'll close. Now therefore. Here is the king whom you have chosen. And whom you have desired. And take note. The Lord has set a king over you, he says, I want you to know this is your choice, this is what you wanted. Don't shoot the messenger, and friends, don't miss this because this is where I would have said, This <laughs> you got it coming now, but oh, you got it coming now. You've asked for it, and you're gonna get it. But listen to what Samuel tells the children of God. If you fear the Lord and serve Him and obey His voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the King who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. He says, this isn't what God wanted for you. You're not going to like it. But if you will come back. If you'll be obedient, you can still be blessed. And friends, I don't know if you're on your first marriage or your seventh. Friends, I don't know if you've ever had a drink of alcohol or you are a raging alcoholic. I don't know if you have believed in God since the moment that he convicted you or you have spent your whole life denying that he exists. Today, the Bible says, if you will repent of your sins and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be Saved. It doesn't matter if you say, Jake, but I've been a church member for years and I've been awful. Or it doesn't matter if you say, Jake, I've been a church member for years and I've been wonderful. Today, the message is return. You see, some of you are so busy feeling guilty over the mistakes of your past that you'll never accomplish anything for God moving forward. What God says is this. If you've asked for forgiveness, you have been forgiven. The number one thing that kills church, and it'll kill this church, it kills every church, is the fact that we have a message of a God who loved us so much that He came, died on this cross to forgive sinners. Any sin, whatever sin you're carrying, whatever rejection you're carrying, that He'll forgive you. And then the church says, we know that God forgives, but we're not going to. You say, Jake, no one says that. Let me give you an example. Back in 1985, the year I was born, so-and-so was going to church here. And you know what happened. You remember? They ran the toilet paper out and didn't tell anybody. I was the one who followed them in the bathroom. They're never teaching Sunday school as long as I'm here. Oh, preacher, nobody does that. Well, you know, back in 1991, they stepped out on their marriage, had an affair. Now, they reconciled, made their marriage work, but we can't let them be door greeters because what if someone remembers from 1991? I was going to kindergarten. I don't remember anything from 1991. But that's how we are in church. We define people's future by their past. When God says if they're forgiven, they're what? forgiven. And so if God is going to forgive, the church ought to forgive as well. For instance, what this church needs it's what your marriage needs. It's what me, I need. You see, Isaiah chapter 1 says it like this. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be As wool. You see, this cup is flimsy, it's miserable, and some of you have got grape juice all over your shirt, okay? But friends, the blood of Jesus is something we don't talk enough about. It was shed to cover your sin. What can wash away my sin? Friends, without the shedding of Jesus Christ's blood, you're on your way to hell. I am on my way to hell. You see what Jesus Christ did on the Calvary on Calvary's cross was, he took my sin, he took my shame, he took my punishment and his perfection. We call it imputed righteousness was given to me. And when God sees me, he doesn't see the drunkard that I used to be. He doesn't see the the, the young man running around that I used to be he doesn't see the filthy and vile mouth of what I used to be he sees a individual who has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and I'm going to heaven whether you like it or not amen and friends that's how the church has got to believe it doesn't matter where we've been what we've done, how we've failed if we'll come to God today and say Lord forgive us It will. And friends, he'll do it in a magnificent way. That tomorrow we can be celebrating what God wants us to celebrate. Instead of the things of this world that will not last. Pray with me as Jamie comes. Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray today that if I have said anything out of my own heart. That you'd forgive me. That you'd correct me. But Lord, I pray today that as I have preached through this chapter of your word. That you have spoke to your people. God give us the grace and the humility to fall on our face. And say Lord I am a sinner. Lord I pray today for that man, that woman, that boy, that girl. Who is here and your spirit is convicting God. That you are revealing to them that they're lost. And that they need you. Lord that you give them the courage to step out and come. And say I'm lost but I want to be found. God, only you can do that, not me. No one can except for you. Father, I pray for that family that's hurting today, that's broken. Lord, I pray for that marriage that's, that's one, one day away from the divorce court. Lord, I pray for that one student who's finally decided to give in to the temptation and peer pressure at school. Father, I pray for whatever the situation is today, God, that today you would warn us one last time. And give us an opportunity. Turn to you and to find forgiveness and hope and love, no matter how many times we've failed. That you'd give us one more opportunity, God, to make it right with you. And Father, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.